Hey, um, you, you guys know about phobias, right? Any of you guys got phobias? Pho- <laughs> wow, phobia section right here. I think I saw all your heads shake at the same. How about over here? Any of you guys got phobias? Huh? Spiders. How about you, the campuses? Man, phobias are a big deal. I didn't think they were, but I'm starting to realize more and more that phobias are just a really big deal. And there are some that you know of, and there are some that you don't know of, okay? So here, here's one that you know of, claustrophobia. Oh, you know of that. You've heard of that, right? It's the fear of being closed in. Maybe you're there today. Hydrophobia. Hydrophobia. You know what that is? That's the fear of water. That's what's kept a lot of you out of the waters of baptism. You're like, you don't believe we're going to bring you up, man. And listen, I've said it before. The campus pastors and I, we're batting a thousand. We've never lost a person in baptism. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, how about this one? Do you know about this one? Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. It's the fear of spiders, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. Some people are so afraid of spiders. There's this guy, one of my best friends, man. He's at the Hillsboro campus. He's a man's kind of man. He's a big old guy, man. We coach football together many, many years. And now our kids are in uh, high school together, playing ball together. I would never mention his name in public, Lester Fortney. Um, but <laughs> like Lester and I were watching our boys play football earlier this season at Jordan High School here in Durham. And we were on the bleachers on the back and the bleacher sat right up beside the fence. And lo and behold, a spider came up the fence. And I saw this big old burly man's kind of man lose his mind over a spider. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? There's no sense in getting that way over spiders. Snakes, that's another story. There's only one good kind of snake, a dead one. And I I, I know some of you disagree. Some of you are like, no, no, no. Black snakes are good. Black snakes eat the bugs and the rats around the house. All right, glory to God. Let them eat them. They better go to your house instead of my house because I will shoot a snake in a heartbeat. And don't go question me with your spirituality too. I'll take it all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. Snakes represent the devil. (laughs) Think about it. What came up and tempted them? An old slithering, slimy, sinful, satanic snake. Hey, those are ones you've heard of, but I got some phobias maybe that you haven't heard of. Isolophobia, isolophobia. You know what that is? That's the fear of being alone. Man, some of you, some of you know about that. Here's one, agoraphobia, agoraphobia. It's the fear of crowded public places. Like some of you might not like church at New Hope on Sundays because it's kind of crowded and it's big and I got just a thing for you, Monday night church. <laughs> Monday night church, it helps us with our crowds on Sunday, seriously, and it's awesome. Same message, more of an intimate environment, the music's a little scaled back. Monday nights, you don't want to miss it if you would want to try something like that. Here's one, aviophobia. I've seen, I've seen this happen, man. I've sat beside people in airplanes. That's, that's the fear of flying. I've sat beside a few people before that I just had to reach out and try to minister to because they were freaking out on the plane. Here's one, choreophobia. Y'all know what that is? Fear of dancing. Come on, baby. Anybody, anybody afraid to dance? I love to dance, man. I love to dance. Some of you are like, I don't think dancing is uh, permitted in Scripture. 
David danced in his underwear, dude. Underwear, just saying. Um, oh, hey, oh, come on, come on, get you, get you some of this right here. Um, Allerophobia or elerophobia, elerophobia. You know what that is? That is the fear of cats. Cats. Another form of Satan's animals on the planet. If you're new around here, man, they, 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 they know me. I don't like cats. I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily have anything against cats. I just don't like them. And you know the problem with cats, don't you? Have you heard this? The problem with cats in the ancient world Kitty cats were worshipped. True story. They were worshipped. And the problem is, they've just never forgotten it. Come on, man. Give me a dog any day. How about the... Can I get an amen from the dog lovers? Y'all enjoying this. I'm going to keep going a little bit here. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Um, colorophobia. Colorophobia. Um, I, I went to a movie last summer. Changed my life. You know what colorophobia is? It's the fear of clowns, Bo. What was that movie I went to last summer? I can't remember. But the clown was in the gutters, man. The clown. It. <laughs> if you haven't seen It, you might not want to. Just saying. Here's one. My, my oldest son, my firstborn boy. This is him. He's got this one. Um, trypanophobia. Trypanophobia. That's the fear of injections, man. Needles and stuff. Any of you, any of you like that? Like, uh-uh, get down. Again, the, the phobia section is right here. I can tell. Oh, here's one for you. This, this, get ready. Pentherophobia. Pentherophobia. Do you have any idea what that is? That is the fear of mother-in-laws. I got my brother. My brothers are hanging up, holding up their hands. Glory to God. Hey, 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 hey. She's coming. She's coming. Or you going. It's Christmas, baby. Oh, Lord. Fear of, now, listen, if you are a mother-in-law up in here, God bless you, and I am so glad you are here. Welcome to New Hope Church. I love you. I love you. Your son-in-law, I don't know about. Not just kidding. Omphalophobia. Omphalophobia. That's the fear. This is weird, man. That's the fear of belly buttons. Fear of belly buttons, dude. Homophobia. Homophobia comes from the word homily. You know what that is? That is the fear of sermons. So if you're here and you, you struggle with homophobia, listen, I know you don't know me, but listen, you can trust me. You're in good hands. I'm, I'm not going to mess you up today. It's okay. Take a deep breath and enjoy the message. Now, did you know, did you know there are 536 documented and medicated phobias? And some are kind of funny, but come on, come on, come on. Some of them are not very funny. And some of them are deep-seated fears that you struggle with. And here's the problem with fears. Fears keep us from doing what we want to do. Moreover, fears will often keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And so as I wrap up this series today, I want to ask you this question. Could you use less fear and more peace in life? Could you? And think about that for a moment. Here, here's another phobia, last one. Chronophobia comes from the word chronology. What is that? That is the irrational fear of the future. 
I see a hand popping up over here. Can anybody relate, right? Man, the state of our world is quite troubling. Just this week, I flew to South Dakota. Then I drove about two hours out into South Dakota. And I spent five days with Compassion International, some of the executive leadership team there. Side note, did you know that Compassion International in this last year alone rescued and saved two million children from poverty? And I'm glad you're clapping because check it out, you were a part of that. You, this church, as we steward our resources and we give to compassion, and many of you sponsor children, two million. So I go out there and I'm flying back. And I go to Sioux Falls, get back on the airplane, and they drop me in a, into a Minneapolis for a layover. Any Minneapolis people in the house? Who in the world would want to live in such a place? It's already frozen over, man. I mean, it's, I'm from the south, but I'm just saying, I don't think God ever intended for people to live that far north. I'm just saying. I could be wrong, but like it was cold. Even when I got off the plane and just walked on the little runway thing to get into the airport, freezing. But I went into a coffee shop. I'm sitting there. I'm chilling. I got my phone out. I'm, I'm reading a news app, not because the notification went off. Remember, I've told you. I did not read it because it was bzz, bzz. We were never intended to do that. I was reading it because I own my phone. My phone doesn't own me. You need to try that. So I'm reading my news app. And while I'm reading my news app, there's all kind of flat screens around in the cafe and stuff. And I'm hearing all of this negative news, nonstop negative news. And I started just kind of pausing for a moment and just reflecting on it. Illegal immigration stuff. Caravans hitting the U.S. border, rogue nations pursuing nuclear weapons, nonstop political tension, the Mueller investigation, human trafficking destroying people, racial tensions, cleanup from devastating fires in California, the death of a patriarch, and if I might add, a patriot, George H.W. Bush. And I'm reading all of this stuff, and I start thinking it's so easy. To get overwhelmed in this world. It's so easy to let your anxiety soar. And then right after that, right after that, a commercial came on the flat screen. A commercial came on for a drug prescription. A drug, a, 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 you know, a drug to take for some ailment. I don't even remember what it was. Have you ever paid close attention to the medical disclaimers at the end of drug commercials? <laughs> it's longer than the commercial. So then I went online. I said, I got to get my hands on that. I went online and I found the edited version of this particular medical disclaimer. Get you some of this. If you, your family, or caregiver notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking or mood that is not typical for you, or you develop suicidal thoughts or actions, anxiety, panic, aggression, anger, mania, abnormal sensations, hallucinations, paranoia, or confusion, stop taking blank. Oh, there's a lot more. And call your doctor right away. Also tell your doctor about any history of depression or other mental health problems before taking blank. As these symptoms may worsen, while taking blank. Come on. Some people can have serious skin reactions while taking blank. Some of which can become life-threatening. These can include rash, swelling, redness, and peeling of the skin. <laughs> some people can have allergic reactions to blank. 
some of which can be life-threatening and include swelling of the face, mouth, and throat that can cause trouble breathing. Are you ready for this prescription yet? If If you have these symptoms or have a rash with peeling skin or blisters in your mouth, stop taking blank and get medical attention right away. In clinical trials, the most common side effects of blank include, I thought we just went over all that it includes, include nausea, sleep problems, constipation, gas, vomiting. These are not all the side effects of blank, so please ask your doctor or pharmacist for more information. The only thing that could have made it more crazy and more relevant for us is if the commercial ended with this. And if this lasts more than four hours, contact your doctor. (laughs) Oh, no, he didn't. Dang, can I get a prescription for some fear, right? And the main thing I want to just make sure you understand today with me, because I've been learning this. Philippians 4 has changed my life. You can go and start opening up to it, Philippians 4. But here's what I want you to know. Grab your teaching notes and grab your pen. This is probably not in there, so just write this down. You, change it to the first person if you want, I... I can experience a whole, balanced, peaceful life. Do you you believe that? Write it down. I can, you can, we can experience whole, balanced, peaceful lives and not go the way of the world with stress and anxiety and live life completely overwhelmed. Here's a question for you. You might write this down too. What if faith, not fear, was your reaction to whatever you're facing these days? It's a sincere question. Just sit in it for a moment. What if faith, not fear, was your default go-to reaction to whatever you are facing these days. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. I'm going to read for you the BKT translation. I wish you could see the look on some of your faces, especially those of you who really know the Bible. It's the BKT translation. Here it is. Stress out about everything. Big stuff, little stuff, things you can't control, things you wish you could, things that might come true and things that could never possibly happen. In every situation, see it as an opportunity to gripe to other people about how bad you've got it. Allow your self-preoccupation to blow the problem out of proportion. Above all, never talk to God about it. He doesn't give a rip. And if you... (laughs) And if you continue on this path, the anxiety, hello, the anxiety that transcends all human understanding will give you ulcers, heart disease, headaches, joint pain, lousy relationships, and most likely will prematurely take your life. So rejoice and be glad. It's the BKT translation. Most of you figured it out, maybe. Some of you had. It's the Benji Kelly translation. (laughs) And I did that because here's the deal, here's the deal. So many people today are living like that. That's the world in which we live. 
And this is why I brought this series to us. And I've been blown away by the engagement. We're obviously scratching where you are itching. This is a big deal. But again, you can. It is God's will that you live a whole balanced life. Not completely free of anxiety because as I I said in week one, all of us are going to experience anxiety from some time or another. But God's will is for you to live a peace-filled, holistic, present life that is not characterized by stress and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. So why don't we read God's word as God wrote it, not as I just messed it up. And I know you've been sitting a while for that song and up to this point. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, if you will. Would you please stand in honor of God's word? And why don't we read it out loud together? Ready? Go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear an amen. Amen. You may be seated. And yes, you can clap for God's word. Glory to God. Doesn't that sound so much better? than the BKT translation. Now, what I want to do today is I'm doing something that I rarely do. I'm going back to a passage that we've already studied. We studied it that first week. And I'm doing that because when I read Philippians 4 a few weeks ago, I've never sensed such traction and engagement from the New Hope family. So we're going to go back and get that. And here's what we're going to do in our remaining time. Like a chef, I am going to actually pull the best ingredients that we've experienced on each of the Sundays during the Overwhelmed series. And I'm going to lay out those ingredients so that you can see, here is the recipe. If I will just apply God's word, here is the recipe for me to not live an overwhelmed life. And then at the end, I'm going to just pull out one nugget. This is why I'm taking us back to Philippians 4, because it would be so remiss of me if I preached on Philippians 4 and I didn't pull out this final nugget, which we're going to hit at the very end. But first of all, week one. Do you remember week one? This will help your memory. I had a car on the stage. Remember, we had a car. And uh, my children can still remember it. The prop obviously worked. And they're in here. And my youngest especially reminds me regularly of the things I taught that day. Remember with the car, I basically applied the, the text and said, basically, if you're going to live a life that is not overwhelmed, you got you to gotta know when to pull over. Remember that? You got to know when to what? Remember the second thing? Pop the hood. Then you got to know when to change lanes. Dial it back. The main takeaway from that particular Sunday, write it in, Slow down to get ahead. Slow down to get ahead. Eagles hit it right on the head when they sang that great song, Life in the Fast Lane. What? Surely make you lose your mind. God never intended for you to live life in the fast lane. 
Yeah, we're gonna hurry from time to time and sometimes we gotta kick it in high gear. But here's my question to you. How are you doing with slowing it down? How are you doing with pausing throughout the day just to count your blessings? Thanksgiving was just recently. How are you doing just to slow down every now and then and be fully present with those you love and with those that love you? It sounds counterintuitive, but I can promise you it is true. If you're ever going to get ahead from a godly perspective, from a spiritually, spiritual perspective, you've got to learn to slow down to get ahead. Dallas Willard, that great spiritual guru, discipleship guru of the late 20th century, said these words, and they have forever been some very popular words. You might remember them. We must ruthlessly, ruthlessly what? Eliminate hurry from our lives. Ruthlessly. I, um, I gave my wife a book um, earlier this year. And uh, it's, a, it's a great author. I'm actually coming to really appreciate her, particularly because she is a daughter of a pastor, and their family have, have really experienced difficult times over the last few years. But she's a fantastic author, so guys, don't tune her out. Uh, just because she's a, a woman, and I gave it to my wife. It's a great book, and she's a great author for all people. Her name is Shauna Nyquist. And she wrote a book, and this is the one I gave my wife. It's actually called Present Over Perfect. Present Over What? Now, some of you are going to go into the holiday season and you're going to think everything has to be perfect. Let me go ahead and tell you, it won't be perfect. Guys, you're going to get a pair of socks from somebody that you just cannot imagine getting another pair of socks. Ladies, you're going to burn, or guys in the kitchen, you're going to burn something. This is what she says in this fantastic book. I'm certainly not the first to point out the irony that it's during Christmas time that we are more tempted to abandon Christ-likeness in favor of, listen in, overspending, overdoing, and overconsuming. But I find it to be true. The season that centers around the silent, holy night, the simple baby, and the star very quickly becomes the season in which we over everything, overspend, overeat, overindulge, overcommit, all in the name of celebration. How are you doing with slowing it down a little bit? I've actually intentionally slowed down the message a little bit and the cadence. What if you and I left out of here and this December we slowed down the cadence of it all? What if what we really need is not found under a Christmas tree? What if we just realized we really do need some silent nights? What if we just learned to say no to some things? Like no to another Christmas party. No to another dessert. Oh, God. No to another gift for someone who doesn't need anything in the first place. 
Now, don't, I'm not Grinch. I'm not saying no to everything. But what if we didn't say yes to everything, but we learned to say no? Take it slow this December. Take it slow by learning to say no. That was week one. Here's week two. I'm going to keep things moving today. Week two, we had uh, Joe Sangle on the stage. Y'all remember Joe Sangle? Trademark, get fired up. Joe Sangle, you know, financial guru on, on the planet came here. Taught a phenomenal message. And can I just pause right here to say I want to celebrate and honor. Will you help me celebrate and honor 151 new hopers who are now going through the class, I once was broke, but now I'm not. Come on. That's awesome. But Joe Sangle took us to this incredible passage. He, he first of all taught us an abbreviation. You remember? He talked about NASA. He talked about the FBI, remember? And then he gave us an abbreviation. Anybody remember what it was? Anybody? DNW. You guys are amazing. DNW. What did it stand for? Do not worry. I know. <laughs> Easier said than done, which is why I'm trying to lay all this out before you again so that you can get this recipe and cook this up in your life. Do not worry. And did you know? that one of the primary ways in which most people freak out, stress out, and get overwhelmed in life is related to their finances. And Joe, on that week, just laid out a, a roadmap, if you will, for how we handle our finances and get them in order. And to do so, he took us to this great verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And you read the last passage so well. Read this with me. Ready? Go. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And here's what he taught us. Give, save, invest, plan the rest. Give. Put God first by giving the biblical tithe of 10%. You want to get your financial house in order. You want to walk into the blessings of God. You honor God when last? Nope. Halfway through? Nope. First. You honor God with his, not yours, his first fruits with the biblical tithe of 10%. Then he said save. Save. He said it honors God, your family, and your God-given future. Thirdly, he said, invest. It positions you for God's multiplying work. And then he said, plan the rest. Plan the rest. And there's kind of a ring to it. Give, save, invest, plan the rest. Come on, come on. Give, save, invest, plan the rest. Come on, balcony, let me hear you. Give, save, invest, plan the rest the rest. It's a biblical roadmap to get your finances in order. Then the third week, we moved from chaos to calm. I stepped back up here and I taught that particular message. From chaos to calm. And do you remember what calm stood for? C-A-L-M. A new hoper that I love dearly actually told me we were over their house the other week and she said, that has so moved me, I'm actually going to turn it into a picture and get it framed and put it in our house or on a canvas. I said, when you do, let me know. I want to buy one. C-A-L-M. When you feel like life is crashing down on you, you know what I mean? When you're in the moment, man, 
and everything is just crashing on you and you're, you're breathing. Your breathing gets shallow and your stress goes up and your heartbeat goes up and your palms sweat and all that. Remember what I taught you with calm? Straight from Philippians 4, 4 through 9. In that moment, the way you transition from chaos to calm, see, you step, you guys are amazing. I mean, really, you, don't, you have no idea how you bless me when you do that, to let me know that you, you actually digest stuff and you remember it. See, celebrate God's goodness. You just stop in the moment and you celebrate. He's been good to you. You say, well, I don't think so. Are you still sucking oxygen? <laughs> he woke you up this morning. I know America's hard and we got our own problems, but go live somewhere else. He's got you in the greatest land on the planet. Has you in a phenomenal area. And if I might say so myself, because I take no credit for it, has you in an awesome church. He is good all the time. You celebrate God's goodness. And then, but this is, we, we sometimes don't do this. I don't know why. I'm, I'm bad about this. Because I kind of think, I believe in God's sovereignty, right? And I'm like, why do I need to ask? He knows what I need. No, 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 no. Hey, ask for God's help. Ask for God's help. Remember what L was? <laughs> leave it with God. You just leave it. Say, I, God's got that. Somebody tries to bring it up, you say, get thee behind me. God's got it. Satan comes in, tries to tempt you, make you remember things you shouldn't remember. No, no, no. God's got that. M, meditate on good things. Remember what Paul says, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is honorable, meditate on such good things. The world's going to try to get you to meditate on bad things. Calm. Then last week, I didn't teach. We had some campus pastors teach. They did a phenomenal job. We got some incredible campus pastor communicators, and they taught last week. And the thrust of that message was, you got to learn to leave stuff with God. It was kind of the L in calm. Remember, some of us are carrying around way too much stuff. Like we got a full backpack on, man, and we're just trying to carry stuff. The quote that stuck out to me last week was this quote right here. Maybe we are overwhelmed because we are trying to carry stuff that we were never intended to carry. Oh. Come on now. So I want to wrap up today. I want to end pulling out that nugget that I told you, you know, you would have every right to sue me, if you will. Though Christians should not sue, we should try to avoid it at all costs. Can I get an amen? Never taught that here, but I should. That's a verse of scripture. But if I didn't teach this point, you, metaphorically, if you will, you would have every right to sue me for pastoral negligence. It's in the verse that we've been looking at, but we haven't mentioned it yet. And I want to leave you with this one critical thought. So I'm going to bring Philippians 4 back up so we can look at it one more time as we wrap up the series. You read it so well last time. Why don't you do it one more time? You never can read too much scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By what? And petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me, listen to me. Prayer is mission critical if you are going to pull yourself out of living an overwhelmed life. Prayer 
becoming a woman or a man or a student of prayer is mission critical if you are going to extrapolate yourself from a stress-filled, anxiety-ridden, overwhelmed life. And here's what everybody's thinking right now. You ready for this? Because I know you. Because I know me. Everybody's thinking, I don't pray enough. So if you're thinking that, don't, don't, you're not alone. Woohoo! Take comfort. Other people are right there with you. Now I know somebody's sitting there going, nah, nah, I, I, I pray all the time. <laughs> I get up at four in the morning while you pagans are sleeping. And I pray for you. And I pray for the world. If I pray long enough, I'll pray for me. Hey, hey, you are my spiritual hero. God bless you. You are awesome. But most of us feel like we don't pray enough. Agreed? Agreed? And here's why. Stick with me. I think we feel that way because we have an inaccurate understanding of prayer. I think we feel that way because we think prayer has to be this. You know what I'm saying? It has to be. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I believe, y'all know I get up really early and like I have my time. I have my holy time, holy hour, you might call it, quiet time, the church used to call it, where I'm in the word and I'm praying. I believe in this. But listen, God never intended for you to live life like this. Hello, you wouldn't put food on the table if all you did was, you wouldn't pay bills if all you did was, no, 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 no. That's a kind of prayer. What I'm talking about, stick with me, is learning to commune with God throughout the day. I'm talking about a relationship where you're actually in and out of conversation with God throughout the day. This is what it means when the Bible says, pray without ceasing. In fact, Paul would say it this way. Why don't you look over there with me or just read it off the screen. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Ready? Go. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So here's what it looks like. I told you I was in South Dakota this week. Flew into Sioux Falls. Drove a couple hours. Came back. Hit Minneapolis as a layover. But here's what it looks like. So I'm getting up the day I'm flying back. I get up in the morning. And I'm not trying to, I'm surely not trying to lift myself up as too much of an example. I'm just telling you what this looks like. So I get up in the morning and I pray, oh God, would you, would you please help us get to the airport safety? Because it had started snowing. God, keep us safe. I always cut it close with airports, Lord, you know that. I'm sorry, but, but let, us, let us make it. So we took out. We're riding down the road. I'm praying throughout the trip because the snow's coming down and, and the road's icing up and the rental car has this green light flashing on me telling me that the traction is not working real good. I know. But I continue to pray. I get to the airport. I'm, I'm running through the airport, like, like running, like O.J. Simpson style. Remember that? Remember that guy? I didn't jump any suitcases, but I came close. I got to the counter, and so I'm talking to the lady, and I'm, she's, she goes, 
Mr. Kelly, you're cutting it really close. You're within the 30-minute window. I'm like, yes, I know, but come on, can you, can you send the bag on back? So she, she did it, and I got in. I, on my way to the, the gate, I, I'm praying. Uh, not the whole time I'm in and out. I stopped at a coffee shop before that, you know. So I'm praying that God, uh, give us safe travels. Would you help me serve the airline staff that's going to be serving me? Would you, would you help me shine the light of Christ in this environment, Lord? I'm getting on the plane, and, and then I'm praying. You know what I'm praying when I, praying when I get on the plane? Oh, God, would you please <laughs> let this plane land safely? Right? I pray that every time I get on a plane. Every time. So then I get out, I touch down at RDU, and I'm needing to fly because I want to make my son's basketball game. He's playing a basketball game in, um, in Chapel Hill. So, Lord, would you please help us get down 40 because 40 is a bear, you know, around 5 o'clock. Would you help us get down 40? Would you help me get to the game? I get to the game. I'm watching my son play basketball, cheering him on. He, he's, he's awesome. I might say so myself. Had four threes in the first half. The boy can play. And, uh, but I'm praying as he goes up often, Lord, protect him. Don't let him get hurt. He hit the ground one time. Lord, I pray his ankle's not twisted. I'm praying. See what I'm doing? I'm just, I'm just communing with God. And, and then we, I take him to dinner. And Lord, would you just let our family have a great dinner? And I'm not super spiritual, but I, I'm not real. Confession, I'm not real good at this. Here's what I'm good at. I just commune with God throughout my day. I mean, like, I often don't say amen. You know why? In good old southern vernacular, the prayer ain't done yet. The time to say amen is when I put my head on the bed at night, on the pillow, right? So I'm just, I'm just in and out of, of prayer. Like the air we breathe. He's there with you. He never leaves or departs from you. The Holy Spirit, he has deposited into your soul as the comforter. And so as you go through life, you're just, you're just praying. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. And if you're driving down the road, I prefer that you don't. <laughs> right? So let me give you some application and we're done. One, this is what I'm trying to say. Never stop praying. Amen is right. Never stop praying. Say it with me. Never stop praying. You just learned that life is at its best when I'm weaving seamlessly in and out of my life, in and out of my work, in and out of my marriage, in and out of my parenting, in and out of my ministry, in a communion, a continuous dialogue with a God who is always with me. Come on now. Never stop praying. Or live an overwhelmed life. Secondly, pray Four, three, three, leading up to Christmas. To which you would be right to say, what you talking about, Pastor? Four, three, three. I want to give you a tool. I want to give us together a means by which we could go into December and all charge the gates of heaven together in prayer. Four, Three, three. Coming from John chapter 3, verse 3. 
What gospel is John? It's the fourth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The fourth gospel. What chapter? Chapter three. What verse? Verse three. Here it is. Read it out loud with me. It's our last passage of scripture today. Ready? Go. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are, unless they're what? Born again. Come on, come on. Do you, do you know why we're giving you all this stuff? Mailers to hand out. Gold tickets to hand out. Yard signs. Like, I'm sure there are other things that I don't even know about, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, But do you know why we're giving you all this stuff? Not to be a big church, because we're not a big church. Do you know how many people need Jesus in this area? We're not a big church. I'm tired of people calling us a mega church. We're not a mega church. We're a small church with a big vision. There are I mean, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around us at all of our campuses who need Jesus, who are dying and facing a Christless eternity if we don't reach them. Why are we doing all this? Because people matter to God and therefore they matter to us. That's how we started this church, that one slogan. Say it with me, people matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. One more time, like you mean it. People matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. Do they really matter to you? I love that about you. Here's what I want us to do. Four, three, three. Every day, every day at 4 p.m., wherever you are, I'm asking you to stop and pray. And here's what I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray for three specific people in your sphere of influence. Three people that you know they need the hope of the gospel. Three people that you know need Jesus. 4 p.m., three people for three minutes. To which, again, the legalist would say, but can we pray more than four, three minutes? <laughs> yes! Can we pray less than three minutes? No! <laughs> four, three, three. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if thousands of people all over our campuses, even into Kenya. Thousands of people at 4 p.m. charge the gates of heaven and humble ourselves and pray. And you pray for your own life and your own stuff. Definitely do that. But, but we specifically, by name, prayed for three people who need the hope of the gospel. We prayed for him for at least three minutes and then we invited him. And then we handed him a golden ticket. And they're gonna go, what? Your church has got movies at Christmas? What, Polar Express? 
Kids ministry, children's ministry, student ministries, we're all doing it. And you handed them a, a mailer with a card that's got a map on it. What? They will come. If you invite them. And you take a yard sign and you stick a yard sign in your yard for anybody to see. And if you got a neighbor who gets on your last nerves and he needs hope, stick it in his yard. <laughs> you take these things and you drop them around your workplace or you go to the dentist or you go rest, drop them around. I carry them with me everywhere I go. Can you imagine what could happen? And by the way, every single Sunday of December, I'm going to be given an invitation for people to accept Christ. Every Sunday. You get them here. You and I together get them here. And in all of our departments, at all of our campuses, we will offer them Jesus. And he will move and the Holy Spirit will work through those environments. And we will see people, listen, whose eternal destiny is changed forever. That's why we exist as a church. That's who we are. Again, say it with me if you can remember. People matter to God, therefore they matter to us. Can you imagine? I can. I can imagine times a thousand. So I want to end today with showing you a testimony. Don't, don't, don't leave. You don't want to miss this. I want to end today with a short video, a short video. His name is David Pruitt. The reason I love this video so much is because he started working for this church through a marketing uh, company. And as a result of working for this church, he, by his own admission, he was far from God. He didn't have, he didn't have opened the gospel. He, he didn't know God. He was, he was kind of doing his thing. But he started working for this church, and he started rubbing shoulders with new hopers. And he started, this is so cool, he started editing sermons for our online ministry. And God got a hold of him. There are thousands. No, I take that back. There are hundreds of thousands of David Pruitts who are waiting for you and waiting for me to just invite them to church. Check it out. So I grew up in a pretty racially divided area and I learned very early on that in order to be accepted, it was going to be dependent on my performance. Um, I learned that if I worked hard enough in school, I'd be accepted by my teachers. If I changed my personality enough, I'd be accepted by friends. And that if I performed good enough uh, at work, I'd be accepted by my boss and coworkers. But that performance only got me so far. Uh, I spent years climbing the corporate ladder, working in different marketing uh, departments, and uh, finding my identity in that work. And ultimately, I found myself without a job uh, in a fractured and untrusting relationship and uh, just basically rock bottom. Amazingly, I found the opportunity uh, to work for a Christian marketing agency. Now, I had zero pull towards anything Christianity related at all, um, but 
It was the opportunity to perform again and possibly maybe get perfection. At the marketing agency, uh, one of our clients is New Hope. And a big aspect of my job was to watch the sermons on Sunday and to find clips that we could share out on social media. And I just think that is wild that God found me in my identity of the work and that's how he got to me. So I had to pay attention. I had to listen to this stuff. It led me to be able to muster up enough courage to actually come to church and actually experience what it was like in person at New Hope. I was able to get plugged into a life group. I was able to start serving with the core team. And being able to build up that side of community helped to strengthen everything that I was learning about Christianity. The main thing was just honestly learning who I am and to be able to share that with the world. God used New Hope to give me a community. Uh, something that I just hadn't had in such a long time. Thank you, New Hope, for giving me this great community, for leading me to know the truth about myself and to give me the tools in order to be able to lead others to know the truth about themselves as well. Can you imagine? us going out, praying for people, and seeing a harvest like we can't even begin to imagine throughout December 2018. And can you imagine you and I then stepping into 2019, continuing to practice, continuing to hold on to the principles found in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and living again, I'll end where I started, not wrapped up in phobias, but literally living your life a whole, balanced, peaceful existence. Being so in the world, but not of the world. If we could see those two things happen, I believe we would be able to declare and know and experience in the words of the old hymn it is well with what my soul it is well with my soul may it be so in your life and oh god i pray it will be so in my life